I've been here nearly three years. Twice today I've forgotten to turn this on. Well, <laughs> yeah, quite a long time. Um, so anyway, good, well, I'm off on today. I was going to say good morning. Good evening. Um, it's lovely to be with you. Love to be back. I'm just enjoying the glorious sunshine that we have going on today. And just basking in the goodness of God and just his love for us, really. And love is a very key word currently for us on our evening services because over these last few weeks, we've been thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. And of course, that began with love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I learned that in all his service 12 years ago, and I haven't forgotten it since. Um, And so we've done love. We've done joy. We've done peace. And now we come to patience. And I say that with some reluctance, and I'll tell you for why. When I read through it, and in preparation for this week, the word patience kind of fitted, but didn't fit. It fitted in as much as, if you think of the word patience, and you put it between, you know, peace and love and joy and all these sorts of things, it fits very well. But when you think of it in the narrative of the New Testament... Actually, it's a bit of a struggle. And for some reason, I kept thinking of Marmite when I was thinking of it. Not in a you love it or hate it kind of thing, because I've got to be honest, we can all agree that you don't either love or hate patience. We should all get on board with it. But more of this, I hate Marmite, right? I can't stand Marmite or Vegemite if you're from the Southern Hemisphere. I can't stand the stuff. I watch people spread it on toast or, you know, bread or something, and I think, what on earth are you doing? That is disgusting. How can you eat that kind of stuff? But Twiglets, I'll eat them all day long. I will constantly eat Twiglet after Twiglet after Twiglet. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit. And the word patience is a bit like that. The New Testament is all about urgency in so many ways. There is an urgent appeal throughout, a central message really. Be urgent because the Lord is coming soon. The new church that was established were constantly talking about Christ is coming soon. Put into action. Get busy. Get doing. Jesus himself lived with urgency. He only had three years to do his ministry on earth. He had to be urgent in what he was doing. And even though it sounds like a really lovely word, you can say that it's a kind of contrary word to the rest of the New Testament, because patience implies certainly just waiting. Dare I say, patience at times can imply doing absolutely nothing. And in fact, patience may not even feel good a virtue as it is with the rest of the teaching of the New Testament. But then I got thinking that actually urgency and patience aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. When I was 12 years old, I broke my wrist, this wrist, and I broke my wrist wrestling in a park with our head teacher's son. I I told him I fell down a pothole, and that lie lasted for 20-odd years, but I've come clean now. I'll just confess that. But I broke my wrist. It was urgent of me to get to A&E. There was a big kerfuffle in school. My mum was called in, and it was a case of get him up to A&E within a couple of hours. Urgently, I was there. It wasn't a case of hang on for a few days and see if it sorts itself out. It was get up there. But when I got up there, I had to wait for hours and hours and hours to be seen. And that way, you had to be 
patient. And if you've ever been to that whole circumstance of waiting in A&E, you know what I mean. You are there for an urgent reason, but of course they've got their own systems in place to triage people and all the rest of it. So you have to have the art of patience as well. So urgency and patience aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. But I think it's something else we can also agree, and that is the art of patience is an art that maybe we've lost slightly in this modern crazy world in which we live. And I look back on my own lifestyle, my own life, and how I've lived my life now compared to how I did it as a child. And I will tell anyone this story, I will nag my kids about this. When I watched telly as a child, I watched adverts. I put the telly on and I waited for the adverts to finish and then I watched the next part of the show. And when the show finished, I didn't wait for five seconds for another episode to come up. I would wait a week. Now, I nag my kids about this because, well, I wanted to say the same things to them as my parents would say to me about the changing world and how it doesn't make sense when they're getting impatient for that five seconds, whatever, for the next episode of the show to pass. But we are increasingly impatient. We are bombarded with information. We are bombarded with busyness. We are bombarded with things to entertain us. We are bombarded with speed and pace. We are bombarded with so much that actually, even in the church, we can forget what it truly means to be patient. And I'm as guilty of that as anyone else. I have done the speed awareness course, not once, but twice. The first time I was told that, you know, on this course, if you've ever done it, no need to confess, but if you've done it, they will tell you that speeding doesn't really make a difference. You'll arrive at your destination round about the same time, whether you speed or not. That's just what they say. I didn't listen to that, of course, so I got caught again, and I struggle to keep to it now, because I have this urge not to be patient, because the world, the fast life, everything else tells me not to be patient. So we almost need to re-understand and reclaim what patience is. But from a biblical point of view, this is slightly tricky. When I was putting together this plan, every other virtue of the spirit, you could almost find a passage which would expound on what that word meant. There are many that talk about love. There are lots that talk about joy, plenty to talk about peace. But when it comes to patience, you won't find a big, long passage dedicated to patience. Just look at the reading that we had this evening. If you were listening, you heard the patience sandwiched in between a lot of other words. Why was that reading there tonight? Well, because it had the word patience in in the first place, and we had to find something that fitted in there. It is more an implied presence in the scriptures that patience is there. But when we look at the word and what it actually means, this is the place where we have to understand the real meaning and the real biblical context of what is going on. And in this particular reading and in Galatians where it is seen as part of the fruit of the spirit, this wonderful Greek word marimathea is used to talk about patience. And what marimathea is, is a long word with a long description. And it has a number of things you might associate with patience in it, like endurance. But it's got this weird explanation as well. 
that's part of that definition. And it simply says this. Marimathea, patience is being able to exact revenge on somebody but choosing not to. It's that level of spirituality that's going on here. And it is such a spiritual word. Being able to have revenge on somebody but not taking that revenge. How do you do that? Now, I'm a person who likes to win an argument. So I will store up arguments to use later on. If somebody's wronged me, I will put on the bag and it will come out as a weapon further down the line to win something to my cause. Maybe I'm not alone there, who knows? But we like to do that kind of thing. But Marimathea, this kind of patience, this biblical patience that we're hearing about is the opposite of that. It's being able to do these things, but choosing not to. And it's a funny thing about the mind, isn't it? Because when I read that definition, my head was taken back to the 1980s when I was a kid and remembering that wonderful man, Terry Waite. Now, some of you already will know the story of Terry Waite and some of you will be a bit young to know the story. But Terry Waite was an employee of the Church of England and basically served as a kind of diplomat. His job was to be one of a peacemaker and he would go to the part of the world where there was significant danger. He would go and essentially would negotiate, negotiate the freedom of hostages. And it was on one of those trips in Beirut that he himself was taken hostage. And he was held hostage for close to five years. He was in solitary confinement for four of those years. He was in a horrific place. He tells a story of one day, one of his captors seeing him in his cell and going to use the toilet. And when he went to the toilet, he left his gun in the cell. Terry Waite wasn't a troublesome prisoner, so he almost blindly, without thinking, left the gun there. He came back, and at that moment, Terry Waite handed the terrorist the gun and said, here you go, you left that. That is remarkable. Yeah, and that is something I don't think I could actually do. I'd like to think I could do it. I'd like to think I would be that humble and kind and gentle and that patient, but having lived through solitary confinement for years, having lived apart, and having in your hands the ability to exact revenge, let alone freedom, he still did it. And that, if you like, is the patience that we are called to through the Spirit. And that is the patience that Christ himself exhibited upon the cross. Here he is, and we know the imagery, we know the story, we know the stained glass windows even. Christ is upon the cross. And those who placed him there mocked him, even taunting him to call down fire from heaven upon them, taunting him that much. And the worst thing is, I couldn't do that. You couldn't do that. There's only one person who's ever lived who could do that, and his name is Jesus. And he was the one person who chose not to do that. He was the one person who chose not to exact revenge. Jesus had that marimathea. He had that patience. He had that love in his heart. And by seeing the example of Christ, the one thing we can say is this. 
We can't do it under our own strength. It's all right to fess up and say that we, you, we would struggle to do that if we are persecuted that badly, if we are suffering that much, we would struggle to live without revenge. But it is possible through the power of Christ. It is possible through the Spirit moving. It is possible through what the Lord can do in us and what the Lord can do in us. It's incredible looking at parts of the world where terrible things have happened, but God is somehow involved. Very recently, I don't know if you watched it, I was kind of obsessed by a show called Dairy Girls. And the last episode is incredible. It's funny and moving at the same time. And it basically focuses on the Good Friday Agreement and the referendum from the Northern Irish people that came from that, essentially either choosing peace or war. And to an overwhelming majority, the people of Northern Ireland chose peace. And at that moment, chose not to have revenge. Having lived with decades of urban warfare, having lived in almost the midst of a civil war, having seen communities split, they made a choice to not take revenge anymore and to stop that. And even, like you might see in the news at the moment, the mere suggestion of that process being broken is completely heartbreaking. Christ has been in that whole situation. And I pray that Christ will be, continue to be in that situation. And our prayer is that Christ will be with us as well, to enact us to do the same, to have that level of Maramathia patience that says, I will suffer and not take revenge, because that is what Christ himself did. But that's patience on a very big scale. Thankfully, most of us will never be put in that situation. Certainly not the situation of Terry Waite or Northern Ireland, or even in situations where revenge will be burning on our hearts. But we do have to live in a world with other people. And that can be very, very trying. There's a wonderful word that other translations of the Bible use to describe patience and the fruit of the Spirit, and that is long-suffering. You can kind of interact the two of them. You have the patience or long-suffering. And long-suffering is what it says it is on the tin. It is suffering for a long time. And it is suffering for a long time with people who you struggle with. Now, last week, while talking about peace, we talked about forgiveness. And this kind of long-suffering, this patience, hasn't really got much to do with forgiveness as much as it's got to do with those people who genuinely annoy us, those people who really, really get in our nerves, those people who aren't actually in the wrong as much as they're just not like us, the people who wind us up completely. And they're all out there. I did hear once somebody say to me, if if you haven't got one, you are the one. I don't know if that's true or not, but we live constantly in a world of people who will wind us up. If you want any evidence of that, just go out to the street tomorrow about one o'clock and watch the traffic. You will see a lot of ruffled faces as people try to drive away. People wind each other up naturally. And we wind ourselves up in every circumstance that we're in. We wind ourselves up in the place of work. We wind each other up in school. 
we wind each other up in our leisure things. How many bowls clubs have I seen nearly fall apart because of personalities? I can tell you, it's a lot. And even in the church, we wind each other up. If you've ever sat in a church committee, you know what I'm saying. Even if you don't want to say it, we wind each other up. And you know what? That's always going to be there. We are different. There will always be situations when somebody winds you up. There will always be a situation where somebody says the wrong thing and it gets to us, even though, you know, they're not technically sinning against us. There will always be somebody who speaks too fast when we want them to speak slow or somebody talks slow when we want them to speak fast. There will always be people who we don't just get on board with. The challenge is still loving those people, still holding on to unity with those people, while still accepting that we're different to them. And that's where this idea of long-suffering comes in. That's where this idea of Christ comes in. And again, if you want evidence of what that was like, look at Christ himself. Christ called 12 numpties to be his followers. After the day of Pentecost and all the rest, they were all right. But up until then, they were hard work. Very often. You had Peter. And if you read through the scriptures, you will see that Peter was hard work. Always teacher's pet. Always had to be first in the line. Always with the first with his hand up. Always trying to get there and say, I know, I know. Who's the one who thinks he can walk on water? It's Peter. If I was with Peter, I'd be annoyed by Peter. Then you get the likes of James and John, the sons of thunder. Well, their name's charming, isn't it? They're nice lads. They had some anger issues going on, as did Simon the Zealot. And that's before you had Judas, who was on the take. But for three years, Jesus, knowing their flaws, walked with them. He taught them, and he was patient with them. And not just that, knowing that they would run off from him, knowing that they would betray him, knowing that they would doubt him, he bore with them. He suffered with them. He had that long suffering going on. And this is something that we need to claim. And I'm going to be honest, almost reclaim. And the Church of Christ really needs to reclaim it. Because this is also the stuff that breaks the work of the church. When you have people who fall out, and so often it begins with trivial matters, and then struggle to like each other, and then go off and do their own thing, that's when we're damaged. And that's when we damage the kingdom. And that's where we damage the gospel. And that's where we damage seeking to grow the kingdom. It all starts off sometimes purely on personality. We mask it up with theology, we mask it up with other things, but to be honest with you, the first driving thing is personality. We will always have personalities that clash, but we need to suffer with each other. We need to have that long suffering. And we need to, well, allow Christ to help us get over ourselves because we wind people up as much as people wind us up. And that's the truth of it. We wind Christ up all the time, but he suffered for us. The most undeserving thing that happened in human history, Christ died for us, despite us actually sinning against him. 
but he did it all the same. He did it out of love for us. And we need to do the same for each other as well. And we need to have that patience with God himself as well. Seems like an odd thing to say. But I think for a number of us, especially those who have been Christians for a long time, we might know what it feels like to lose patience with God. It might be that we've prayed for something and that thing hasn't come to pass yet. Or it might be that we've wanted to see an incredible move of God happen and that incredible move hasn't happened yet. It might be that we're just waiting and waiting and waiting and we're demanding almost of God and petitioning so much we forget one thing. And that is that God really is in control. And God's timings are perfect. God's timings always have been perfect and they always will be perfect. And fundamentally, what we are called to do above all is put our trust in him. I don't know why God created the world when he did. I don't know why God called the people of Israel. I don't know why God waited all those thousands of years before he sent Jesus, his son, at that precise moment. And I don't know why Christ is waiting to come again. But we know it's in his timing. And his timing is perfect. And we need to trust in him. And maybe... Just maybe, out of all of these things that this word patience really represents, that's the one we struggle with most. Truly trusting in God. Because we all carry our own personalities, our own desires, our own egos that say, this time, this time, and this time, without seeing that God's timing is perfect. Patience leads into trust. And the only one we can trust in truly is God. And this word, this theme, the whole concept of the fruit of the Spirit comes down to wanting to be more like God, to be more Christ-like in what we do. So that when people see us, they can see Christ at work. And one of the biggest ways that people see Christ at work in us is by knowing that we trust him. Whatever is going on, Whatever tests us, whatever tests our patience, that we trust in him. It's not cool to be patient. Even in the church, it doesn't look good. It's not cool to be one who's willing to wait. It's not cool to be one who doesn't forgive. It's not cool to be the person who even says sorry. It's not cool to be the person who puts up with the person who they struggle with. And it's certainly not cool to trust in the Lord. But that is the truth of what we are called to do. The Lord calls us to be patient people. And the Lord calls us to demonstrate patience to the world. The Lord calls us to show what patience truly is. And that people will see us. And as the world gets even more crazy, as speed comes even faster, as the next device comes up that speeds up the whole watching entertainment 
even quicker. And they're thinking, what on earth's happening? They will see us in our patience and say, I want that, because that just makes sense. May we truly be patient people. May the Lord, by his spirit, help us to be so. And may the Lord continue to bless us in all that we do. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for your great love to us. And we do thank you that you call us to be your servant. We give thanks that we are known to you by name. We give thanks that we are special in your sight. We give thanks that your spirit rests upon us. And we pray this day that your spirit would rest on us even more. And that you would call us to be the patient people that you call us to be. Lord, we pray for those, and maybe one of us, who harbour feelings of revenge today over people who have hurt us. We pray for those who harbour those feelings in the world that are suffering so much. We pray for those who are struggling to be around people. We pray for those who are struggling to trust. We pray for ourselves in all of that and wherever we are on the scale of it all. And we ask that you would come to us and minister to us this evening. Minister to this community. Minister to this nation and minister to this world. May your patience be upon us, we pray. Lord, we lift ourselves to you now. In the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen.